Hello. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to episode, what episode is it? Number two. Number two of Know Nothings. And uh, who's here, Stevie? Stevie's here. Hi, I'm Stevie. Once again, coming back with the greatest commentary known to man. <laughs> yes, of course. Um, so, yes, welcome to the Know Nothings podcast where mom and son have a conversation about topics that everyone can talk about and are talking about. And, um, and maybe you can join us in our conversation with comments, feedback, and we'll respond to your feedback. So last time we talked about um, understanding perspectives and the people who listened to that uh, episode had some comments um, about our maybe readdressing or addressing some more about the truth of the election. Um, and then we had um, this week, this past week in American history. So Stevie, what, um, how would you describe what happened this week from your perspective? Um, a bunch of people tried to enter the capital and start a social revolution and a social political revolution. That's how I describe it. Mm -hmm. So the reason why they were angry was because of the election results, which we talked about last time, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, do you like... I guess we go back to our first, you know, topic. Do we understand their perspective? I feel that I do. <laughs> How do you know? Like, what do you mean? How? Uh, because uh, I've been able to stay um, objective when I look at their perspective instead of comparing their perspectives to my perspective. I just look to see what their perspective is. Do you, um, but in that, like, you can still disagree. Like, I disagree with what they did. Is there a disagreement with the, their behavior? I don't like the way that they carried whatever they wanted to do out. Uh, I thought it was unnecessarily violent and unorganized. Um, I feel like if there is going to be violence, at least have it be organized, because then it's able to be contained. Uh, so I thought they were... It was kind of a stupid, unorganized movement, um, which is ironic because I'm not a very organized person, <laughs> and I'm valuing I'm now valuing organization. But yeah, um, I thought if it was more organized and less emotional, uh, more people would be able to understand their feelings. But. Um, you know, their emotions led to uh, theatrics, and theatrics led to people um, only viewing the, uh, I would say, the negatives, the absolute negatives of the situation instead of what some could see as the positives. I mean, the but they were violent, and that's un- unacceptable. Yeah. Yeah. Um but they have a right to express their opinion, in my mind. Yeah, they have every right as anyone who's been protesting within the last year. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
So um, I guess the thing is, is that though, um, and I'm going to be vague a little bit, um, like I accused you of last week or last time, um, that there are some people, though, that think that um, their violence was um, just as violent or that they they had a right to be violent or what have you because, you know, the Democrats and the leftists and the Antifa have been violent, so therefore, right, they, the this group can be violent. Oh, uh, that's, that's not, it's not very, that's not a very good justification. Uh, I, I mean, there were violent protests earlier in the year, but that doesn't justify you like, if someone else breaks the law, it doesn't justify that you break the law. You guys are both held accountable by the same standards. So, yeah, I don't, I, I personally don't believe, I don't believe that um, unorganized, this unorganized violence would benefit anyone. And this unorganized uh, destruction of our country benefits anyone. I feel like if this really was going to be a social revolution, um, there would be more of a hierarchy in which we would know absolutely who's at the top and uh, who's at the and who follows those. But uh, um, yeah, the the capital incident is truly just a is the kind of a um, I guess. When people looked at the Black Lives Matter um, protests, you know, they said, oh, now you're finally seeing the feelings of the country. Well, now you're seeing the feelings of another group of people that their feelings honestly are getting discounted because they are seen as irrational. When others' feelings are viewed as rational because of emotional context and, I guess historical uh pleasing i guess that's the best way of putting it so uh those who are viewed as irrational in our society will always be viewed as irrational until those who view them as irrational are able to sympathize with them which i don't think our society is willing to do well um the the so something that happened this week, right? A lot of the what happened has made people, um, you know, question, right? Why people didn't stand up before, and um, and why they didn't like the why people didn't stand up against the violent rhetoric before, stand up to Trump before, right? He led up to this, etc. And also, there's just been a, a lot of, I think, questioning, like, oh, we saw this coming, right? We knew that these people were violent. We knew that they were going to um, do something. And the negative rhetoric um, that was posted online led to it. Um, I think, like, you and I talked a little bit um, on Wednesday about how you can't be held accountable, like whether or not Trump should be held accountable for other people's behavior based on his incitement to riot. That's the thing. I feel like it's going to sound like I'm defending Trump. I'm not. I'm just looking at this objectively. 
that uh, you him um, tweeting out that you should fight for uh, what's it called your election is equivalent to any other senator in the Black Lives Matter protest is saying you should fight for your rights. Mm-hmm. Though, cause those could be interpreted the same exact way. And if one is being held more accountable than another because of their uh, political status, then that breaks the rule of law in which we hold in our country that everyone is equal under law. So if we hold those at a higher standard than others, then we can no longer call ourselves a justified country. Yeah. But I guess what's really bothersome to me, I hear what you're saying. Um, yes, that like everybody is accountable to the same um, rule of law, right? And mm-hmm. and certainly, yes, we all are. That's and I think that is part of the problem that you you know is that he's equally accountable to the law as I am, but it doesn't seem to be bearing out that to be true because if I did what he did. Um, I probably would get in trouble. I mean, he kind of got in trouble, but he's not getting in trouble um, to the point where he's losing his um, job. I would lose my job. Why doesn't he lose his job? Like, how is he, if, if your logic follows, which it does, like he should lose his job. I would lose my job. But, I mean, legally, you couldn't lose. That'd be illegal if they fired you. No, I mean, people... It, no, it's yeah. not. If, if I incite people to riot, then I lose my job. It's it's against the law. All right, did, question. Did you ever tell your students, oh, you should go out and you should protest for the Black Lives Matter? No, protest. I did not. Do you, do you think if a teacher told someone that and then that protest turned out to be violent, wouldn't they be held accountable for... Um, whatever you what was the phrasing you used? Inciting, Inciting to riot. To riot. Well, it's different if I just tell them they should, like you're saying, fight for their rights or they should stand up for their rights. Um, inciting to riot to go fight at the Capitol is a little bit different. But yes, if I stood up on a stage at the high school where I teach and I have my students in front of me, and I said we're going to walk down to such and such and I'm going to be there with you. And then we're going to show them what we think and we're going to fight. Like I, and then they do that. Like I bear some responsibility and I, as a teacher, yes, would get fired for doing that. All right, then. I mean, I'm not opposed to Trump getting fired, but if if you're going to carry out that rule of law, that means every other political figure that is ever encourage someone to protest that is now that congregated protest has turned violent they should be held accountable for that violence and they should yes so all the senators for the black lives matter all the senators that supported the congress the congressional fall of i don't even know how to describe it the i don't i don't don't understand why people call it a coup it's not a coup a coup involves the military taking over the government Uh, um, I don't know if every coup does. I think that's something we'd have to look <laughs> sure up. That's like the definition of a coup. I think we have to look that up. Right. Yeah, go get your computer. Let's look that up. What is the definition of a coup? Because I don't think it always involves the military. 90% sure. Okay, well, let's find oh. out. All right, so while you're doing that, um, so uh, we have also 
in our in, in the situation like you and I can talk about this so I had an interesting conversation with my family um in text about what happened um and it's it's been difficult because there are different feelings and opinions about the um the um left and the right and what people believe so where i'm going with this just bear with me is that we have uh somebody in our family who um believes that that the the democrats and that the liberals are um equally as um let's say violent and and equally as or more to blame for the situation of our country than the republicans and i'm probably not expressing that person's opinion very well but that came out and needless to say when the events of wednesday happened and we engaged in a text conversation um as a family my um one of my family members texted that there was a that from the federalist newspaper that there was a um equal or a number of um let me find it liberal um protests protests that the violence wasn't explained well um, or well documented. All right, so we're going to have to edit this part because I'm not being very clear. So anyway, where I'm going with this is that I looked at that newspaper article based on our conversation last time, and I listened to this person's conversation, and I read some of the Federalist newspaper articles to try to understand his perspective and kept reading that instead of countering him and having a negative exchange with him on text. Um, so anyway, I found that our conversation about listening and not trying to change minds, like I'm never going to change this family member's mind. Mm-hmm. He, he believes in something so um, different and has such a different perspective from me that I realized in that conversation that there was no way that over text especially that I was going to be able to um, change his thinking and and that my anger at the situation you know couldn't be turned toward him but I still totally disagree with him and his perspective so yeah you can if you're able to understand somebody's perspective you then are you then are able to have whatever feelings about that perspective that you want that's your uh, that's your right as a person that's given a that's given the effort to understand someone else yes so this oh i just found it so i so we engaged in this thing and i sent a text and i said what do you think because i wanted to know what my family member thought And this family member said, I condemn violence of any kind, including that committed by Antifa and other groups earlier this year. So immediately this person turned it around to suggest that Antifa, which is like supposedly some left group that does violence against blah, blah, blah. 
Um, and what was done last night was by a wrong-headed group of individuals. And this person shared an article from The Federalist 28 times media and Democrats excused violence by left-wing activists. And so um, then other members of our family weighed in a response to that. But um, it took everything in my power um, not to respond back. Like I really wanted to respond back to this person and say, you like, oh, 28 times? Like, oh, ooh, right? Like, take all that 28 times that there was violence and people didn't respond and think about the millions of times that every African-American who's ever, you know, suffered violence, like, that's been misrepresented. Anyway, uh, but I can't. I can't change that person's mind. So I just listened to the person. I read other articles that they shared with me and then just moved on. I guess I didn't totally move on because I brought it up today. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you moved on at all. <laughs> you seem to be reliving this event quite clearly. And <laughs> it doesn't sound like you moved on at all. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. I really feel like I... Okay, but at least in that moment, I didn't make the situation worse. Asking questions isn't making a situation work. I know, it, it works. I didn't. As long as you're asking questions... In the hope of understanding another's yeah. perspective. No, I didn't. I but, but I wanted to say to. negative things. Yes. I right. That was the thing. You I wanted, wanted to belittle his thinking. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's not yes. good. Yes, yeah. I know. But yeah. I think his thinking is wrong. All I right. think he has the same right to think that about your thinking. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so what makes you more right than him? I'm not. I know that. Then why are you trying to belittle his thinking? I just, I think that his thinking is completely just so myopic. He's probably thinking that about you. I know he thinks that. But I did try to read the Federalist. I did read some of the articles. But the problem is when I read the Federalist, here's the problem. And here's the problem we're going to get to and the biggest problem of all. When I read the Federalist News articles, they had inaccurate information. They said in one of the articles that I read that night that Trump had come out with a calming message and conceded the election, and that's inaccurate. They also had other articles that I sourced where they said that this is so terrible, Um, And yes, he did say negative things, but that the guy, Ken Jennings, who is replacing Alex Trebek, that he was a rapist. There were articles in this newspaper that Ken Jennings was like, uh, they were negative, they were incorrect articles. So the fact that he reads news articles from sources that are totally inaccurate and have inaccurate information, I think he's stupid for doing that. And I can't believe that he would be sucked into believing inaccurate information. All right. So where do you get your information from? I get my information from the Washington Post, from uh, the news on TV, Lester Holt, um... MSNBC, and I know that those are considered, quote, left, 
but they still present accurate information. I've seen I've seen lots of articles of MSNBC and 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 CNN where they present uh, misleading facts like those of uh, like those of the Federalist well, newspaper. No, they don't. They have can... they have their perspective where they give you their belief on it, but they give you the truth, the facts, the reality. Uh, no. Yeah. The. F- it, you have the exact same perspective as Doug just flipped on the other side. You see his perspective as myopic and no, he's... you want to demean it because you think he reads and watches things that lie to him. What's, the, what's keeping those same things from not lying to you? No, I am aware and read the newspapers and have multiple sources of information telling me real facts that are true i i know what is truly happening i don't know every truth but i am looking at sources that truly have quality factual information the new york times has factual information the wall street journal which is run by murdoch has factual information um the, not every source, just because they're right-leaning you know, or what have you, is unfactual. I'm not saying that. But some sources are much more factual than others. I, I understand that. But there, there's, if you only watch one side of the news, how can you ever be sure that that's the truth? I Okay, so I tried that, like I said, like you've asked me to, and I've watched Fox News, and I looked at this Federalist, and they had inaccurate information. So I'm finding that when I read other things that, that you're saying, going to other sources, I'm finding that those sources are inaccurate. To what you know. <laughs> to the truth. To what you know. Which, yes. To what you, you know something, so you define it as truth. Based on what people have told me, which are accurate sources. So let's you, go back you to judged, what... You judge these things as accurate sources, and there's no qualifying thing that makes them accurate sources. Yes, there is. No. They, have... they are as accurate as the Federalists. They're as accurate no, as... No, that's not true. Fox News. They are fact-checked. They can't keep them... They, they yes, are they can. No. They... they are not... The, Washington the amount Post you get lied to... Stevie, I am going to tell you, you have to just recognize that something in the Washington Post or the New York Times um, or, you know, NBC News or CNN, the facts that they present are the facts as true as they know them and are moderated by all other, you know, other sources and other people saying, you know, a Yes, those are the facts. I wish my phone was working, but <laughs> I read an article from Vice News where they looked at sources such as Fox News and CNN, and they compared the legitimacy of what they were saying. Yes. And then during the, during, in April, during the coronavirus, uh, like, during the higher peaks, you know, they were like, oh, look at this video of New York hospitals being overflow, over, like, flooded with patients it was actually from italy the they, picture the that video was posted that they used, on cnn yes yes and then same way fox news 
Day one. Oh, look at this glorious. Uh, like this is after I think, the there was a, there was a bombing. Some we we dropped an airstrike somewhere. We were congratulating Trump, and then it turned out to be a oh, it's like an airstrike footage from, twenty fifteen. Right. Okay. It, it, there are inaccuracies on both sides, so to discount one. Because you found inaccuracies there and you refuse to see inaccuracies on one side, it shows that you also have a myopic point of view on the situation. No, I accept the fact that certainly, two things. I accept the fact that certainly um, news organizations can and will make mistakes and, um, and, and the news organizations that I trust um certainly cull through all of the data and they choose the things that right for me to see so that's the second point i also recognize that when i watch news or read news that i need to do my due diligence as a citizen and as a person who is going to act on that information i need to make sure that that information is true and accurate so I'm always trying to check myself and stay aware and, and confirm, wait a minute, is this really true before I act? And um, I'm trying to educate myself and critically analyze those things that I see and read and, and don't just accept it very quickly. Um, so I think that that's just something that everybody has to do. And yes, I know CNN certainly and, and NBC and MSNBC, um, all of these news organizations, right? They make choices of, of the news that they present. But there is some information that is more accurately, there are some, there are some news and outlets that present inaccurate information. Um, and that's very damaging obviously uh and dangerous to our society um so i can't i you know i can't stop that from happening but what i can do is like you say i can keep looking and and trying to ensure that the information that i get is accurate but yeah i i don't think that i don't think that my family members should stop reading this newspaper. Um, I don't think that this person will. Um, but I just, I just like you're suggesting, wish that that person would, I guess, um, check the information. Um, because for me, it only took me like 15 to 20 minutes of reading some of these articles and then digging deeper into them to see that they were inaccurate. All right, say he does check out an, an opposing news source and he finds that that information is inaccurate. How, how would that benefit him to read another article for 15 minutes and then him deem that inaccurate? What, find out that the source that he's reading is inaccurate? Yes. I think then he should then find the correct information. Then he is educated on the truth, the, you know, what, what is factually true. 
I don't think you understood the question. No, I didn't. So, say he reads uh, an article from the New York Times. Okay. And he spends 15, 20 minutes, the same as you, and then he decides, oh, this is not factual. This is not accurate information. Uh, well, is he going to decide that just based on reading it? Or is yeah, he going to... Like you did. No, I went to other sources... And I didn't just read that and say, that's not true. What I did was I read the article that was in there, or two. Then I went to two or three other sources. and sources? Um, I don't know. I went to, I just clicked around, and that's a good question. Um, I just clicked around different sources of information. That's a good question. I just click clicked, and you're right. What were those? Um, and I found what I thought were sort like if three or four sources, you know, other quality sources, um, don't have that same information, right. Then I realize, oh, wait, this thing that's posted here is probably not true because it's not, this information is not provided in multiple other places. So I can't probably, name them exactly. It probably is, just not at the sources you looked at. But those. But if it's not true, then it will be... If it's true, it should be represented in almost every source. No, it's a falsehood. The, to think that truth is... What's it called? That truth is universally recognized is a falsehood well, within itself. Okay, we're going to not go down that lane just right this second, but what were you saying about the New York Times thing? That he could, that he would read that for 10 to 20 minutes. He'd see the information. He'd check the information with sources that he feels comfortable with, which you most likely did too. Mm-hmm. And then he did, he determined that that information is not accurate. It's not, and therefore he gained no education. The same process you went through. So is that truly trying to understand another perspective, or is that validifying what you already thought about the other person's perspective? Well, I would say it could be both, right? It could be both of those things. But I would say it's a good start that um, if... I engage with and and try to, like we were saying in the first episode, try to read and learn about what it is that the, quote, other people's side or opinion or other person's perspectives, what they're reading and trying to understand, that that's a good step. You know, I did, I did gain some knowledge about this person's perspective and where it's coming from. And I would hope that this person would also take the time to do that as well. Um, and I feel like that would be a good step toward having a better conversation with more understanding between the two of us. But I don't think that's going to happen. I don't... I. I I blame myself for that in that I have no desire to pick up the phone and call my family member and start to have a deeper conversation and talk to him about this because I just get angry 
And I think that our conversation would devolve. Because you guys would be focused on changing each other's minds instead of understanding each other. Well, I just find it really hard, and this is so terrible, to try to understand such ridiculousness. Like, I feel like it's not, it's a waste of my time. I think we said this before. And I think it's a waste of his time to try to understand my side. Like, I think it will never happen. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if that's the perspective you want to go into it, all right, that's, that's all you, but... I know, I'm just being and, honest. It, yeah, and then people complain about there's inequalities in the world. It's just funny to me that people aren't willing to try to understand something as easy as someone else's political views uh and then try to and then try to do harder stuff like changing the social status of different gender sexes relations religions sexual orientations they find that easier than trying to ever comprehend that someone that watches fox news could feel as validated as uh in their perspective as yours who watches cnn right I find I I just find that interesting. Yeah, <laughs> that's the crux of the problem. Yeah, that people aren't willing to do the easiest step. It's not is, easy. Which is to concede that maybe you're not right. But it's not easy. That's not easy. And actually, I think I am right. <laughs> there we go. There we go. There we go. I am, just like you're right. Like you're right on some things. Oh, yeah. I could easily be wrong about a lot of stuff, but no, I'm but open to that. But you're right about some things. I know that. Okay. What are you right about? I don't know. That's up for other people to decide. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Okay. That's, what you... what, that's, how, that's how you decide what's right and wrong. Okay. We're running out of time. But what do you think is a true thing that we all should agree on? Abraham Lincoln was racist. <laughs> okay. How was he a racist? He didn't even want to free black people. He just uh, he just did that because he was mentally unstable after his son died. Wait, he but to be a racist, there's a definition for that. Yeah, to see another race as lesser than you, racist. I don't. You'd have to prove to me and show me. Oh, you can look at his times. journal entries. Him talking down about black people in the black race. Talk about. Uh, him, when he was in the army, he refused to work with black people. Uh, you could look at the Emancipation Proclamation. Did not free black people in America. It only freed uh, black people in the Confederacy, if you didn't know. That's right. Yeah. Okay, so this is good. So we have run out of time. Um, and our podcast this time was supposed to be about race. Mm-hmm. And so tomorrow or Tuesday, we will have our conversation about race. And we're going to pick up here with Abraham Lincoln as a racist. And then go from there and talk about racism and our experiences with racism. And yeah, and that conversation we were going to have. Um, all right, so we are. This this probably won't be the un, unedited version of our podcast. This one wasn't as good as the first one. We're gonna have to edit some parts out. Um, but let's say ciao to peeps. 
Hasta la vista. Bye. See you next time. Yeah. Okay. So what's the grandma had a question that she wanted to ask you about. And because she said to me in the car, she said, um, she's, you've been on earth for how many years? 35. <laughs> how many, how old is your grandma? Steve? 35. 35. Mm-hmm. Actually, no. 30, 35 and a little bit. Not yet. Yeah. Well, he's a sweetheart, but mm-hmm. no, I, I've been around for 80 years. And the thing that in, in retrospect, thinking about what happened on Wednesday, I wondered if, how does this affect somebody as young as Stevie, only 20 years old, and has only seen a few incidences of this kind of behavior, like Charlottesville, um, 9-11. Uh, what, really yeah, yeah, 9-11. You, yeah, he was and, a baby. And, and now this. I mean, he's only 20, not 80. I've seen a few of these things. And it's a different point of view, I think. And I can see now that after talking to him that it is a distinct, different point of view than mine. And so I guess I'm wondering, Stevie, do you, what do you think about this particular incident in relation to what's happened in your life up till now? Like, does it matter? Does it? Because this is the best way I can explain it. Ever since I was born, I've had... There's been constant reassurement by everyone in our society that the world is on the verge of ending. Literally. That's the best way to describe it. After a year I was born, 9-11 happened, you know? Which is an absolute tragedy and made everyone in our country paranoid, worried, and they thought that could happen at any time because it did happen. It did happen to them. What they thought was just any time of their life. So that paranoia, if you didn't know, goes directly into your school system. And I grew up learning uh, directly how afraid I need to be in the world. Ah, that, that's probably the best way I can put it. So an incident like what happened at the Capitol doesn't shake me. Ah, the amount of hypotheticals I've been given since childbirth, just through my educational career, does not even compare to watching, like, like Dad, he, he brought me down, he said, oh, someone stormed the Capitol. You could see I, I was not faced. It, it was not a dramatic thing for me. And I think that's the problem, because with the increase of technology, uh, I get this information to me constantly. Because because cause you guys lived in a different era where your your pathways of knowledge funneled differently and less automatically. Well, things like this that happen in the Capitol happen for me every day because it happens all over the world every day. And I have access to that. Mm-hmm. So the distinction that it just happened to be in my country in a place that was 30 miles away is, is kind of crazy. But it, it doesn't affect me to... To the effect, uh, to the extent that it probably affects people that have been around longer, because they have a more developed sense of what our country should be. They have a more developed connection to different people in our society, and I haven't formed those links yet because I haven't been around long enough yet. So to see what happens at the Capitol, uh, I, I was just like, well, shit. Uh, I mean, this summer it was protest after protest after protest. Violence after violence after violence. 
my whole life is just violence after violence after violence, so why should this incident make me feel any differently? That's the best way I could put it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's a really fascinating No, point. that's, that's a, a, a good way of putting it. You haven't been around long enough to see the multitudes of these incidences that have formed the, not just the opinion I have about them, but the reaction I have to them. Well, I think he is expressing that he's, he's seen a multitude of them. I mean, think of all the school shootings. Yes. And all if we just take specifically just in our country alone, since 2000 until now, there's been <laughs> over 100 what we thought were country-ending events that happened because we felt them emotionally, right? Back to what I was saying earlier, we create, we create this group memory of emotion that we all carry out until today. Hmm. And if you... This happens... It's the same way if you, if you raise a baby with constant nurture and experience to a lot of emotions they they become dependent on it mm -hmm. right so essentially growing up in a way that is in constant what i would put my privileged way of saying crisis <laughs> that, that's the best way i can put it growing up in crisis and seeing another crisis uh it, it, if you think of it it's just more nourishment to my reality that uh, that this world is not, what's it called, perfect, and I just have to live in it. Uh, that's the best way I could phrase it. So, what you're really saying is you've become the inured to the con to the constant chaos. I've been I've become immune to letting something like this bother me. What about like COVID? Do you feel like you're also like feeling immune to the dangers of that? So you're like, eh. Fatalistic, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna get it anymore. I don't know. I'm curious. Well, I am Gen Z, and Gen Z, I don't know, stereotypically does not really care if mm -hmm. they are alive or not. That's just the, the what they say. I personally value my life, <laughs> but with with that said, the, uh, just the the mere, just saying that there's a disease that could kill us. That's I don't think that's enough. To, to scare my generation at all. I think other threats with that, like saying, so if you're in college and you say, if you throw a party at college, you'll get kicked out of college. That's more of a threat to us than COVID. Okay. I'd say that's, that's what you care about more. I, I I'm generalizing my generation, mm -hmm. uh, but I do believe that is, it goes back because, you know, we, we grow up and we live in constant fear of something happening. And so you're always in fearful of something. So why does it matter if this time it's COVID or when I was younger, it was swine flu or Ebola. Uh, it, these things happen in our lifetimes. They're going to happen. So why let them affect you mentally? So I personally, I'm not afraid of COVID-19. I will adhere to all restrictions because I know people are and it's my duty as a citizen to make sure everyone's safe. But personally, I do not fear dying from COVID. That's just, that's just the best way. Because you think you won't die from it? Or because no, not because... Not, it's not because I don't think I won't die from it. I just see... I, I just have the realization that... Uh, 
I there's a probability I could die from it, but there's also a probability I can die from this. I can, there's a pro, there's high probabilities of me dying within my own society of being black than dying from the COVID virus. So why should I be more afraid of COVID than I am black people, right? No, I don't equate those two. No, no, I'm not trying to equate them. But I'm I'm not African-American, so you have have the advantage. Exactly, so why should I be afraid of something that I can't control directly? Except through the measures that you're taking. Exactly. I can take measures to make sure that bad things won't happen to me. That I'm I'm less of a risk than... I'm not going out partying or anything like that crazy. I'm still in a contained group where we make sure we follow these rules. But to the extent that other people are following these rules, well, I'm not. Best way to put it. I'm not always holed up in my home. I will always wear a mask wherever I go. If I'm, if I'm in a group larger than eight, I'll wear a mask just to make sure everyone feels comfortable. But I don't, I don't have the fear for the COVID, the, for coronavirus that... I think most people in this country do, and worldwide. Probably because I grew up in such a privileged state where I was able to be afraid, but no consequences really ever happened to me. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Is that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The consequences for a person like me growing up, you know, being born in 41 and growing up the way I did, the consequences for some actions were uh, the consequences you didn't want to think about. I mean, when we when I was in gram in uh, elementary school and even junior high, we had to have a a drill that had nothing to do with fires. It had to do with uh, an atomic bomb hitting us, and we had to learn how to hide under desks. And we all wore um, dog tapes like military men in order to identify our bodies should something like that happen. So we grew up with that. Not only that, I grew up not in a privileged household like Stevie did, where he had two parents who made sure that his, everything about him was taken care of, that he was going to be okay, and he was going to be looked after well. Well, I didn't grow up like that. So my childhood is so much different from his. Mm-hmm. And that childhood and that, those experiences throughout my years I think very much affect the way I look at some of the things that happen today, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, yeah, and I think something that you were saying earlier is that you have seen so many more yeah. negative things, but I find that you were saying that you've seen so many negative things in your lifetime, right? You've lived mm-hmm. through a lot, but I find that that's fascinating because Stevie expressed the same thing that within his short lifetime... He's seen and his a whole lot time, too. he's seen a lot too. Right. So I, I just find that to be a really interesting well, commonality. Well, I kind of wondered where on the scale of 1 to 10, this kind of thing, which is maybe a little different than any of the other things that he's been, you know, he's seen and heard about, might be a little different. I, I see this as a much less of a threat than the Cuban Missile now, Crisis. Now, see, that's, that's the interesting. The Cuban Missile Crisis. Yeah, she, yeah. I mean, she's brought yeah. up, she brought yeah. up going, yeah. I mean, okay. like, living throughout the Cold War. It's constant exactly. fear of, uh, of a real threat. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I, I don't, there aren't real threats to me in, in the same form that there was for Grandma. Right, right. right. At least not, not in the same traditional sense. That's the right. best. I think that's the best way to put like 
Rush, like Russia dropping bombs on us, or what's it called? Exactly. Missiles coming from Cuba. Those are real threats. Exactly. Uh, During a, vi- a virus that is that factually doesn't affect people my age. Mm-hmm. Too much. Uh, too much. Too much. Exactly. Right. It does. And that that's not gonna threaten me as much. Or people people at the Capitol, you know, fighting into the Capitol, like, marching into the Capitol. Like I understand the significance to America, but. Why I'm not afraid of them. Of them. Yeah, and I would like to put out here too. I'm not afraid of those motherfuckers either. Uh, that's not what I'm saying. And, no, no, I know you're not saying that, but I'm just saying that I think everybody needs to make it clear to them. Bring it on, people! I ain't afraid of you. Screw you and the horse you came in on, because um, they want to instill fear, and I think that that's the thing that we can. Um, counter we with we can right. right we can counter with what I think something you were saying eloquently before Stevie we can counter with non-emotional response right yes um, which I did not just do <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm aware of that um, I refuse so. to be emotional but I'm expressing <laughs> my non-emotional state highly emotional I'm, I'm aware of my hypocrisy <laughs> and I feel I'm like that makes it better I'm a little afraid of people who don't really express their emotions I'm a little concerned but I love this kid like crazy but um, okay. a little more emotion oh, would um, suit Grandma no, really well I no I think Stevie did say to that or point moral outrage. Yeah, yeah that he would yeah. like of course if something were to truly be harming his family his friends or himself oh yeah I would act emotionally there's exactly. no way I would exactly. see but exactly I see that as as a threat to me my to me my family and those I care about so I yeah. am and people at, and people set problems in the same standards that I just made that hypothetical. Like they see that Trump lost the election, they see it's a threat to their family, their way of living. Yes. Exactly. So that uh, that warrants an emotional reaction. Yes. Uh, I'm not. I'm not saying that their emotional reaction condemns what they did. I still think it's wrong, but I think society should move. You mean condones th- what it did. Because you said condemns. Oh, Sorry. Condemns. Yeah. Thank you. Diction is important. Diction is important. Uh, <laughs> I'm so proud. <laughs> Dictionaries matter. Oh, I'm so, so proud. Dictionaries uh, matter. Uh, but still, um, we should move to where uh, someone losing an election does not feel life-threatening. We should, we should would try you, to... Would you call Mr. Trump and tell him that? We should try to... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it goes both ways. Exactly. So if you think exactly. Trump's gonna, if you see that Trump wins, you can't see that as a threat to your life. It, 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 uh, see, here's the thing. Here's the thing that directly contradicts everything people wants to want I, to believe. I hear it's different though, and let me clarify the difference. Trump is a special case. Trump winning the election in this particular situation of 2020, 2021, or in 2020, Trump winning the election, him in particular, was dangerous, as we can see, even when he lost. But if he, if he had won, the people who we see storm the Capitol, they would have been even more emboldened. I believe white supremacy would have risen 
more so. I believe we would have moved into a fascist state. I believe it was dangerous to, personally, I believe it was dangerous, especially to you as a black male, and slightly to me as a privileged white female, much less so, but it, it would have been dangerous to me because if he had done something so terrible to hurt my, something that would hurt my child, I would stand up and, 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 and have done something about it. But it is, it, he is a dangerous man. So I feel like this is a special case because he and his group of people are dangerous and it would have been dangerous you, for you and me. Who would you classify as his group of people? <sighs> All of the sycophantic, you know, just the people who are right even to this time um, saying, you know, um, you didn't lose. The people who are continuing, Rudy Giuliani's, the people like him, who are continuing to perpetuate the lies. And on top of perpetuating the lies, they are feeding him so that he will further their negative cause. Um, you, mean, so, you mean white people because you said white supremacy. Um, well, I don't, not just white people. There are black people who support Trump as well. There are Hispanic and Muslim people who support Trump as well. But you, I mean, there, it, what I'm about to say is a truism um, that the, or at least has been reported, that the people who stormed the Capitol, the Confederate flags, the anti-Semitic language, the, the white supremacist um, posts, um, <coughs> you okay? Yeah. The, um, the, all of the different, you know, types of uh. groups that they belong to and their fascist and whatever language that they expressed. So anyway, so those, I think that would have gotten even more in our country. So I think that would have led to a more dangerous country. And all of this, I'm trying to say back to when you said, oh, we shouldn't be worried when someone gets elected. No, when certain people get elected, I think you do need to worry. And he's one of those people that we needed to worry about. Uh, if, if some other Republican had been voted in as president and had been and had Like even run, Mike Pence. He wasn't running. I'll take his little not, not, Venus not, pinhead not, any not day Mike Pence, Trump. but I'm talking about... Think? Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm talking about the roster of Republicans who were who were going to run against uh, Trump. If you if you think oh, about those Ted kinds Cruz? of people, Pence wasn't one of them. But no, I'm Ted saying, Cruz. Yeah, forget Sorry. Ted Cruz. But I mean, some of these people are genuinely good people. Oh yeah. Uh, Bring out Mitt Romney, who who have a different point of view regarding their Republican platform than the Democratic plat platform yeah. and Democratic views. That's fine because we all flourished and did well under Reagan and Bush. Uh, well, we um, did. Black people on welfare did no, not. No, no, well. the black people did not. But I'm t I'm a white person, and I said that yes, we did flourish. In that, we had no major serious things except, of course, Bush invading Iran, which he never right. should have, Iraq, Iraq, and he never should have done that. But I'm saying, these people, I, 
could have lived with for oh, yeah. four more years. I could have, if Mitt Romney but had I been could the not person, have, it would I have been as dangerous. Live, and I will not live. And I would have signed up for multiple marriages. Under a Trump, another <laughs> Trump four years. And I think, as somebody who was almost 80 years old, I would not have flourished under No, that. you would not have. No, because everything that I hold sacred would have been demolished. And that's my emotional point of view. <laughs> my unemotional point of view is to look at the state of the country when Obama was president and then when Trump was president. Would you say that white supremacy increased? Yes, during both. But mostly after Trump, because they were no. given they were given a mandate to, to continue to behave no. in white, the way they behaved. No. Uh, President Obama never, never said that what they did or what they were thinking was okay. That's true, but white supremacy actually, the iceberg, the tip of the iceberg is seen now. The underneath of the iceberg has been growing for a long time. And it was Donald Trump who, when, when Obama was running for president, who questioned his yes, legitimacy exactly. as an American citizen, who... Um, who, who fostered, not, not his, yeah. not his who fostered lies about, about it. his birth, right, right. Yeah, right. He fostered, he, fostered he started it way back when, and he yeah. and his little cronies had this thing, and it really did set the stage. I mean, there was already like racism to begin with. It's not like Donald Trump was like, huh, I got an idea, racism, right? Unfortunately, that's been around for a while. He just, I actually think that white supremacy probably grew even more under during Obama. Obama in part because, because of time, he's a black American. There were eight yeah, 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 as a backlash. Yeah. And plus he had eight years whereas Trump only has four. So I think uh, that question now, do yes. you think white supremacy will decrease now that Biden's no, president? No. No. So no. what so what added danger would happen if Trump continued being president. I think he would have legitimized it more and they would have felt even more empowered. I do think the racial reckoning that has been happening is going to stem what was becoming, I feel like, a tsunami of white supremacy and racism. And we saw a part of that tsunami. I don't know you can have a part of it on Wednesday, but I think it would have been much greater but i think it's always going to exist i mean i don't think but i do think it yeah. won't be as bad as it could have been under trump i think the difference is i'm old enough to remember institutional racism fully manifested where you have black and white segregated sections of parts of society and were you to cross you would be violating the law that was institutionalized. That actually ended in the 60s. What you are seeing under a Trump administration was a return of that, even though not in fact in social contract, where white people hang out with white people, white people, white An people. assumption. And yeah. it's the assumption. And no, I agree. being endorsed I agree. to the point, endorsed by the top person, that if you were to engage in racially motivated violence, you would not pay a price. You, and I, they I, did. I, I'm just they didn't. The fire of your perspective. You're, I, you're, I hang out with white people. I was going to say, <laughs> I feel like... I go to a white college. Yeah. And they love me. 
Shaw. You're yeah. a shock. And you're, but you're, you're at a Catholic college. They have to love you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to change it. <laughs> it's institutionalized yeah. within the Catholic you, 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 yeah. yeah. I do think that we were moving more toward, like it was, mm, yes, it's just this confluence of, that, right, we yeah, have moved yeah. so far ahead, quote unquote, as a society, and then Trump was kind of like trying, that's, pushing that's it, pulling it back, pulling it back, pulling it back. Yeah, I don't yeah. think, pulling it back. I don't think that um, it's necessarily Trump. I just think it's just no, the it's development not. of our society. Because when, when you're right, when Part- Obama was president, black people would, would only hang out with black people because that's that's the reasoning you have, right? Uh, not me. What's it called? A black person becomes president, so I should hang out with the people that have empowered more. Uh-huh. So I hang out with people that are like me. Well, and then white people see that and say, I, I'm with you. I'm hanging out with people that are like me. We have similar goals, but we're not hanging but, out but, together. But throughout human history, we tend to aggregate towards people we perceive to be like us. Exactly. But the question is why? The, the, the reasoning is because we create emotional attachments to those that we feel similar well, with. Well, yes, exactly. It's a prehistoric, prehistoric return. Exactly. Most I think it has to do with sex. <laughs> right, right. But 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 don't you think on the other side okay. that that not a lot of the African Americans necessarily want to integrate with the white. No, uh, with, I mean, they're no. not they're not looking for a white pal any no. more than a black I'm person looking, is looking for a black uh, I, a, a except, black pal, and but, one's considered racist and one's considered black and but, there is room for a black man and a white man to live together house to house, sure. neighborhood to neighborhood, and to interact interact between them as neighbors. But that doesn't mean that the guy next door, because he's black or white, is going to be your best pal. It means that you're living in a integrated neighborhood and you're getting along. Your children play together. You you inter, in, interact together, you do things together, but that doesn't mean he's your best pal. Or you seek it out, it happens, and, and it becomes a wonderful I think thing. Today's, oh, sorry. My last point would be all peoples throughout history have more in common than we have differently. It, we we, we have in common, see, we but we seek well. out commonality. We all want to do well. We want to yeah. see our, our children oh. do well. I think, and I yeah. think that we, we want to take care of our families. I think that we do period. find we want to protect our families from perceived threats. The question is, what is the threat? We've seen uh, that. Wait, Stevie. I think that this period in time that we are now are living through is the least racist period of time in in American history. Honey, you have to thank the Lord that I grew up in a house filled with two people who were the most racist and bigoted people you can imagine. They would not tolerate you was as Donald, my grandson. Was Donald Trump your grandmother? Grandpa? I mean, you're close to a zinger and you messed it up. That close to a zinger and you I messed mean, it up. I grew up <laughs> hearing this stuff. I grew up hearing the worst words you can imagine. Exactly, but that could happen in a public place, right? But and I, they wouldn't I'm be saying condemned. your grandmother might not be the person she is today if it were not for number one, education, number two, 
going to an 85, 20, 15% black school, high school, junior high school. I mean, I was lucky. I was lucky. That's grandma. Grandma's very popular. That's her. But my, but yeah. my mother and father didn't want me to go to that school. They wanted me to go to an all-white junior high school and got me the hell out of there. I was doing just fine there. And I was happy where I was. Exactly, because there's more education. There's more available education than there has ever been today. There's more knowledge than there has ever been That's today. That's not the point I'm making. The point is, I grew up in a situation that you have never grown up in. I mean, in a period where you heard words you never should hear. Exactly. So, well, I think Stevie's heard some I, pretty bad words. I think he didn't well, grow up he heard in the situation. Well, tonight, for sure. <laughs> but he didn't hear things. Like, it wasn't... Like, it wasn't meant... I think he's go, grown up in go, a pretty was, racist was environment. To go, was, to go back to what my they point. Said, what, what they were saying to me was meant to make me like them. And I turned out not to be like them. To, to go back to... So, so it's... It's a less racist culture than... Yes. It's the least racist culture we've had in America. Exactly. That's, that's all I said. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. yes, yes. But we, I, had, we I had to get know. there, but I didn't grow up like that. I'd like you to point out a time in American history in which America has been less racist than it is now. I, I would say when the Native Americans were part of, like, like before the white people got to America. It wasn't America. No, they were fighting amongst their, their tribes. They were fighting amongst their tribes. That, that wasn't America by, then. I don't, by yeah, contrary. it was awesome. It's like, I, I don't know. I'm just thinking before the white people showed up and fucked it up. That's yeah, my thought. That, that wasn't America. Okay, okay. So American history, 1776 until and, uh, now. Okay, or 16, you know, whatever. Um, Are so you talking about the 1613 1620, 1916, what is that? It's the 1613 20. um, project. I think it's the 1619 project. the first project. slaves were brought to. Was that it? That's Stephen, the, do you know? Yeah. What's that project, the 16 something? I think it's 1613. Oh, see? I don't, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oops. Yeah, I haven't been getting it. Showed, showed my, my, my white privilege. My white privilege. <laughs> You've gone over your time. No, no. it's fine. Um, so I'm I, hungry. I'm, I just don't know that it's l the least racist time period in our history. I don't know. I don't know about that. But are you hopeful? Um, are you more hopeful now than you ever have been? I am. I really am. Well, good. I, I and especially <laughs> since Trump lost the election, I'm more hopeful now for not just African-Americans, for anybody of any color. I don't care what color they are. I'm more hopeful for them and immigrants who want to come here and enrich our country. I'm more hopeful for that I'd than I ever have been. I country more racially charged when Obama was president than Trump. It was because he was African-American. Yeah. He shouldn't have been president, according to a lot of people. Yeah. Well, bullshit. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with an African-American being president. Exactly. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with an African-American, part African-American woman being vice president. Ditto. We don't argue with grandma. But you're right. We don't a argue lot of the grandma. hatred and a lot of the bigotry came to the forefront because of, of, yes, of Obama. But now... But now he, he opened the door. So now that if another black president does come along, uh, I think the racial tension will continue to yeah. decrease. 
because uh, he, he was yeah. he was the first one. It's like the it's like what happened with Jackie Robinson. He was the first one on the door. They see you that. Ha- yes, you and have then, to have a pattern. And then yeah, and then yeah. the racism yeah. leaves. I don't know. See, I'm worried because I am because I foresee that Biden will not actually probably make it all the way through his four term his four years is one perhaps. The second, which means that Kamala would become the first not only female president, which we know people are not only against having a female president, but all of the people who were so against Hillary and then the people who were against Obama, you kind of take those two and put them together and you have kind of a major backlash against the leadership there. So I'm just concerned because I just foresee two things. One that I think we will end up within the next four years with an African-American, Indian-American female president, which will make people rise up like we saw on Wednesday even more. Two, I think that um, with what's going to happen in the next month or so or 15 days with Joe Biden becoming president and and whatever happens with Trump, that the situation is such that the anger and the, the, the people who were on Trump's side, I, I think, are going to double down in their efforts and gain more followers to, to go against Biden and to do what they can to make his presidency and our American life as divided as possible. Could you say that? That to the same effect happened when Trump became president? No. No. And I'll tell you why. He had the Senate. (laughs) Because there was not political violence associated with it. Right. Political political violence is the difference between a lawful dissension. Yes. What is, what is political violence? What you saw on the Capitol. Yeah, Yeah, but I will remember being one of the... I think it was about a million women who marched on January 20th. Saying you wanted to kill him. I never said I wanted to kill him in the march. No. (laughs) (laughs) I said in the march and with my friends, we said um, that we were against him. You wanted to castrate him. Against (laughs) his... Against his beliefs, and we were against him being our leader no. because he was such a negative, divisive person, and he didn't represent me. And so that was the thing that would you that have we argued. No, 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 I would never have done anything to oh, hurt people. That's, that's but not, I marched that's, that's peacefully and taking, I raised a sign. It's funny because you're taking the minority people in that protest and using that to convey the whole protest. The minority people being the women, you mean? No, no, in, no. in the in the capital. Well, oh, no, oh, the minority oh. of the people, the yeah. majority were peaceful and didn't do anything Ultra. necessarily wrong. Ultra. Oh, you and, mean who just went to protest in D.C.? Yes. Ultra. Agreed. Not so, everybody was violent. So would you say that to the same extent, since there are such many more women at that protest, because they had much more founding. Uh, and, and to your point, it was much better organized yes. because women did it. Exactly. Thank I, you. I, I, don't, I don't disagree. <laughs> I don't disagree. <laughs> I don't disagree. But uh, would you say that there is still that same, at least, what's it called? fraction of people that wanted to do violence against no. the administration within the Women's March? Uh, no, 
I don't think so. It it was different. It wasn't that, that it's just we wanted our voice think, to be heard. How many people do you think would went into the Capitol? Uh, we I don't know. Just an estimate. Just, I'm I'm gonna go five hundred. I'd say fewer than two hundred. Fewer than two hundred? Yeah. Alright, how many people do you think were at the whole protest together? That's irrelevant. And let me tell you why. Let me tell you why it's irrelevant. Alright. Because I'm not concerned. Again, the people who did not go into the Capitol are not my concern. I have no problem with people who are voicing their opinion, their dissent, their concern over the electoral results. As long as they stayed out of the Capitol, it's not an issue. My only concern is the people who went in and the, and the mindset of the people who went in. Just like, just like those who had the mindset of burning down targets. Yes, those exactly. are the ones you should be concerned about. So I, what gives I've you the always, right? I've always been. I've always yes, been. I've always, I've always supported the law. Mm-hmm. The law, Target, whether you like Target or not, Target has the right to purvey goods and services. Wait a minute. What happened with Target? The Black Lives Matter protest. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Black Lives Matter. The chain yeah, of Target. Target, Target got right. In Philadelphia. Oh, yeah, that's bad. Dude, Target's yeah, all over the country. Yeah, yeah, that's seen, bad. Have you seen? Yeah. That's you should a, never raid a store. That's a crime. And you should, you should never... You should that's never, a crime. You should yeah. never break into the Capitol. Right. These are crimes. Exactly. Right. It, we're on the same. Yeah, we're yeah. on the same page. Okay. So, so what was what the I'm point? What I'm saying is the difference between what po- happened post post sixteen versus post twenty twenty is political violence. Political violence is the difference. Those those were both political violences. Quite honestly, I don't care about the word political. It was violent. Yeah. At the end of the day. Okay. Well, it's criminal. It's violent. Why I'm saying political violence? Mm. Political violence. Uh, uh, driven by a particular is terrorist. Terrorist. Oh, that's, that's bad. <laughs> I yeah. understand why you call it political violence. So those who have political beliefs that they want to be empowered, empowered to achieve their ends, and they to be empowered, and like a coup. You were right, terrorist. by the way. A that's coup doesn't point. need military. Yeah. That's power. my point. That's I why that. I use that term. I understand. So it's like domestic terrorism is political violence. I understand now yeah. the point. So Except I, when I marched in 2016, I did not exhibit political violence. But there were those who had the intention to. Well, but they didn't. But they didn't. Oh, uh, that doesn't matter. Yeah, it no, does it matter. Does. <laughs> All right. We All right. have control. It, it does. Yeah, we yeah, were yeah. good. No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, your intentions don't matter. If you plan You just on, said intentions you, matter. No. I said they don't matter. Oh, well, you I did not intend, intend to. No, I, no, I meant execution doesn't matter. It does matter. No. Yes, it does. No. I had no intent to be politically violent. But those who and I those, did not execute they were it. There, they, were, they were there. There were people there that wanted to do violence, but didn't have the means to do it. So okay. What separates them from they those didn't who do violence? What separates okay. them from those right. who had the okay. means to do they it? They didn't do the violence. We need. They simply had a lack of means, so yeah, that's what separates them. I, I supplies? No, they didn't do there it. There was the demands, but they didn't have the supplies. No, they didn't do violent acts. That's the difference. Yeah. That's it. If you don't do violence, you don't do it. But if you want to have, if you want to do violence onto someone, what, what gives you the right to ever judge someone for actually doing violence? Because the difference is you may, yeah, don't you may do be violence. extremely angry, but you... 
you curb your 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 emotional desire yeah. to do violence. It is not the same as doing violence. That I view them in in the same. You you. I, I hear what you're saying. I just disagree under law. That's not I'm not talking about the law. I'm talking about morality. Oh. Oh. Okay. oh. Now, now Ethics going, and morality. We're going down a oh. Um. <laughs> Oh, oh, now I have to do that again. <laughs> we're trying to eat dinner. Um, all right, so we're going to... Okay, so wait, wait, wait. Um, Thank you for listening to our podcast, Know Nothings. Hopefully we uh, see you back here soon with our next segment. See ya.